Mindfulness Mode 116. Ego itself isn't necessarily good or bad, it just is. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host, Bruce Langford. On Mindfulness Mode, we talk about how people from all walks of life have discovered mindfulness and how it's impacted their lives to help them become more calm, focused, and happy. Would you like to learn more ways to become relaxed, to reduce stress, let go of overwhelm? Sign up for the free Relax and Breathe Summit. I'm honored to be a speaker along with more than 20 other experts. Get free bonuses too. Sign up at relaxandbreathesummit.com forward slash Bruce Langford or click on the link in our show notes. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm totally thrilled to have Bob Berg on the line today. Hey, Bob, are you in mindfulness mode? Not only am I in mindfulness mode, Bruce, but I am mindful of being in mindfulness mode. (laughs) That's great. Bob Berg is a sought-after author and speaker who asks you the question, can a subtle shift in focus really make that big of a difference in your business and in your income? You may hear a resounding yes in the background from Bob. That is the topic of Bob's book, The Go-Giver. Co-authored with John David Mann, it has sold over half a million copies and it's been translated into 21 languages. It's been reissued in a new expanded edition with a foreword by Huffington Post founder and publisher Ariana Huffington. Bob is also an animal fanatic and serves on the board of trustees of Furry Friends Adoption and Clinic in his town of Jupiter, Florida. So, Bob, you talk about so many different things, but so much of it really is about mindfulness. What does mindfulness mean to you? Well, first, I I think it, it all comes down to mindfulness. Any kind of success, any kind of effectiveness, personal, professional, uh, spiritual, financial, relational, it, it all comes down to, to mindfulness because it's only to the degree that we're mindful of, of what we're doing that we can really be effective and, and act out of strength. And I think of mindfulness being very related to uh, consciousness. Uh, one of the best definitions I ever read of consciousness, in my opinion, was in uh, T. Harv Eker's book, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. And he defined consciousness as when you think and act out of strength and choice as opposed to unconsciously accepted programming. Uh, now, I think we can, we can take mindfulness uh, even a little further. Uh, I mean, I love uh, uh, Harv's uh, definition uh, and, uh, of consciousness. And I think mindfulness is, is actually – consciousness is almost a 30,000-foot view where mindfulness yeah. is the momentary close-up one. Because we can know what consciousness is, we can know what mindfulness is, but unless we're mindful at that moment, it really doesn't matter. And what happens, I think, is that most of us, are, our lives are run by, uh, well, what I call our belief systems. Uh, you know, a belief I define as being a subjective truth. Uh, the truth about things, the truth about the world that we believe they are. Uh, It doesn't mean it's the truth. It means it's our truth. And sometimes the truth and our truth are the same, but often they're not. And that's because we all have uh, our own belief systems, which are uh, 
which is basically an unconscious operating system that runs us, right? Yeah. And it's a combination of our upbringing, environment, schooling, news media, television shows, movies, popular culture, cultural mores, everything. And it tends to be uh, pretty much set in stone by the time we're a little bit more, a little more than toddlers. And after that, everything sort of uh, plays upon the basic premise of our our belief systems. And so what happens is we uh, we grow up and we live our lives thinking that we're making choices when often we are not making choices. These are pre-programmed as, uh, as, as Harv talks about based on our, our, based on our program. So mindfulness changes the game. I think it's something that we have to learn that is even in play. I didn't know anything about mindfulness before I started to, you know, to study it. And even then, uh, it took a while before I could become more mindful uh, more often, a, a quantity of mindfulness as opposed to just a quality of, of mindfulness. And to this day, and I've been studying you know, these things for a long time, and to this day I catch myself all the time not being mindful, if you will. I get mindful of not being mindful. Well, it seems like the human condition, doesn't it? Yeah, it, well, it is. I believe yeah. it is. I believe it absolutely is the human condition. Yeah. And, and most of us don't even realize that it's a thing. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, in your book, The Go-Giver, you talk about our belief systems and how we can just change them. And it's simple. And you just create a new story and you change it. Now, is it really truly that simple? Well, I, as the old saying goes, I, and I certainly did not make this one up, but it, it's simple but not easy. Right. It, it's simple in the way that it's a choice. It's a decision that you make, right? But is it is it easy? No. It's, a, I think, a lifetime of practice. And I don't know that most of us ever uh, perfect it. I, you know, I mean, maybe there's a few enlightened ones. You might be one of them, Bruce. Well, I'd like to perfect it. I'm still working on it, Bob. Yeah, I, I am too. And But I'm not anywhere near to where I want to be. <laughs> right. Yeah. Me neither. You know, I, I figure the Dalai Lama is probably close. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I think you're right. But uh, if not already there, but uh, yeah, it, it's constant. It's a constant work in, in progress. So we create the story we want and then we decide that the story that we're playing in our minds that we don't want, we just get rid of it. And so the first thing is recognizing what that story is that we don't mm -hmm. want, right? Exactly. And, and, and deciding what we, we do want and making that decision. And then, you know, putting, us, putting ourselves on a program to get there. Mm -hmm. And that really means that we give ourselves constant reminders uh, we realize that staying conscious, staying in the moment, uh, staying mindful is not easy. It's, it's so very easy to get distracted. It's not easy to stay mindful. So we have to keep giving ourselves reminders, whether that's a little sticky notes everywhere that we're going to go, whether it's on the bathroom mirror or on our phone or, you know, wherever, so that we can be constantly reminded. And we just try to get better at it and catch ourselves not being mindful and catch ourselves being mindful right. and congratulate ourselves for it, take pleasure, um, you know, anytime we catch ourselves uh, doing that. But, you know, and it's it's called by, by, by many names, being the spectator, being the, you know, it's, uh, but it's, it's really kind of observing what we're doing uh, and, and doing it consciously uh, until which time, if ever, it becomes unconscious. Right. Well, Bob, let's talk about vulnerability. You say the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself, and it 
really does take confidence to be comfortable with this whole concept. We have to be willing to be vulnerable, not too vulnerable. Can you talk about that? Well, I, I think when it comes to personal development, uh, we have to be vulnerable enough to admit that we don't know everything and that we don't know nearly what we, you know, we don't even know what we don't know. That's how much we don't know. <laughs> you yeah. know? I mean, yeah. uh, and so, so there's vulnerability in there. There's authenticity in there. I, I don't think there's anything particularly self-sacrificial about, about authenticity. I think it's, I think we want to live an authentic life. We want to show up as ourself. Uh, it's, it's easier to do that when you have confidence in yourself, when you recognize the strengths you have and, and you even recognize the weaknesses you have. Uh, and we know that with certain weaknesses, some need to be mitigated. Uh, some need to be, uh, some can be pretty much ignored. I mean, I'm, I'm not a great long distance runner. Mm -hmm. That's a weakness, but I, I'm at 50, I'm 58 years old, have no plans to run a marathon. So that's a weakness that I pay no attention to. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then there are other weaknesses that we need to actually work on until we turn them into strengths. Right. Well, speaking of sports running, you have some history in boxing and, you know, I think that that's a very mindful thing. If you do it well, is that how you feel about boxing? Yeah, well, I did that when I was a kid and pretty much grew up in the sport. And uh, yeah, I mean, let's put it this way. It, it, mindfulness is very, very important uh, b because, you know, there's a, a physical uh, physical punishment if you're not mindful, <laughs> yeah. if you're not paying attention. <laughs> right away. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's interesting. I think of one time, it was the, the one time I was ever actually knocked out. Uh, what happened was I was, uh, I was throwing the left jab and slightly dropping my left after I threw it instead of bringing it back uh, to my face. And this is what I found out afterwards after I woke up, uh, <laughs> that, uh, the guy's corner man, that my opponent's corner man, uh, saw this and he, uh, d d d between rounds, he, he told this fighter, uh, Kenny Butler that I was, that every time I threw the left jab, I was dropping it. So mm -hmm. I guess Kenny, uh, waited until I threw two jabs and then timed it perfectly with an overhand right and uh, put me on the mat. So, you know, they were being conscious, they were being mindful, and, and I wasn't. And you learned very quickly to change your uh -huh. ways, I'm sure. Absolutely. <laughs> I didn't drop. I didn't drop that left again. <laughs> Your book is a parable. It's really a well, well written parable, and includes the five important laws to live by. One of them being the law of value, about giving value to others. I think it's natural for us to want to give and to focus on that other person. So, as we practice being mindful, how do we make sure that we are being giving enough? Well, you know, it's first, and you brought this up earlier, it's first uh, understanding why it's an important thing to do. Uh, the, the basic premise, in a sense, of, of the go-giver is that uh, it's shifting your focus, which, again, takes mindfulness, right? Yes. Shifting your focus. And it's shifting that focus from getting to giving. Now, when we say giving in this context – we simply mean constantly and consistently providing value to others. So how do you do that? Well, the first thing is you come to an understanding of how the other person sees it as being of value. Now, remember, there's a difference between price and value. Price is a dollar figure. It's a dollar amount. It's finite. It is what it is. 
Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of something, of a thing, to the end user or beholder. So in the business case, it would mean what is it about this thing, this product or service concept or idea that's that brings so much worth to it or with it that that person will willingly exchange their, in this case, money for it uh, in order to have this value that you're giving, that you're providing. Uh, so in this case, we always have to put ourselves in the mind of the customer because remember, value is always in the eyes of the beholder. Mm -hmm. It's not what we think is of value about it or or what we think they should think is a value, it's what they think. So the way we do this in the selling process is ask questions. Uh, selling it's, uh, you know, itself, selling by definition is simply discovering what the other person wants, needs, or desires and helping them to get it, obviously by connecting the benefits of our product or service with their needs, wants, or desires. So when we have this focus, Bruce, we're able to give value because we know what it is they value, <laughs> you know, and, and that's the key. This is why we say, John David Mann, my excellent co-author, uh, and I both say that money is an echo of value. It's the thunder to values lightning, which means the value must come first. That must be the focus. And the money you receive is simply a very natural and direct result of the value you've provided. Right. Some say the most challenging of the five laws is the fifth law of re receptivity. The key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. Right. So how can we improve our ability at being a good receiver? Well, this is a great question, and it has so much to do with the topic of mindfulness. Because remember, we receive messages from all over the place, mm -hmm. okay? Again, go back to belief systems and whether it's family, upbringing, environment, schooling, news media, movies, what are the messages we tend to receive from many of those places that money is a bad thing, right? Uh, that if you've made a lot of money, now I didn't get this message from my family, but a lot, I understand a lot of people have, you know, yeah. poverty is righteous, you know, money is a bad thing. If you've made money, it's because, now see, I. I grew up watching my parents as entrepreneurs go from being very poor to making a nice living because they always provided so much value to their customers. We weren't wealthy, but you know, I mean, they they did they did well for themselves, especially coming from where they did. But I always saw the value they provided and how above and beyond they went for their customers. So to me, I always saw making money as a righteous thing. It was the result of providing value. But I understand a lot of people don't grow up with that. Uh, but with maybe an opposite message. Certainly every movie, you know, every, uh, my friend Randy Gage, who speaks on prosperity, uh, points out that most movies that you see, big blockbuster movies, typically have uh, opposing characters. Uh, typically there's the good people, there are the good people who are portrayed as being poor, but happy, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but they're always being taken advantage of, put down, stepped on, stepped over, by who? The uh, rich people who are portrayed as being mean and nasty and cowardly with no soul. We see this all the time. Look at the media. They, they love reporting the, you know, the uh, business people who take advantage of others or do bad things, which, of course, it's a big world and people do that. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you what doesn't sell. Uh, CEO treats people fairly. That doesn't sell. <laughs> and yet that happens a lot more often. Sure. Especially the more free market you operate out of, the more that a company to be sustainably profitable has to do good by their customers. And so we we get these messages in and and 
We're not being mindful of these messages. We're getting these messages everywhere about, about you know, money, bad. Wealthy, uh, money, yeah, bad. You know, wealthy, bad. Poverty, good. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I, and I it, it gets into people's heads. So, yeah. so we're not mindful of this. And so what, when, when people are in a position where they're providing such great value to people and they've earned the right to receive, they often will sabotage themselves. They'll keep themselves. They'll unconsciously do something to work against themselves to, because unconsciously, they're thinking, you know, and we know the unconscious is a lot stronger than the conscious, right? Yeah. Uh, unconsciously, they're thinking, well, if I'm making a lot of money, I must be a bad person or I won't be happy if I have a lot of money or people will think ill of me if I have a lot of money. And there are all these ways that we unconsciously talk negatively to ourselves about prosperity. And so mindfulness says this isn't true. Mindfulness says if you're providing value to the marketplace – You've earned the right, not the entitlement, but the right to uh, live in prosperity. And we have to be mindful of that. And we also have to be, we have to mindfully program our minds. Uh, that's why, again, bringing up Randy Gage, I watch his uh, prosperity TV uh, on YouTube uh, every week. I read his prosperity blog every week. Uh, I read books on prosperity. I'm always reading and, and listening purposely to prosperity because we get enough unconscious information into our heads regarding the opposite. Well, that's great to know. Even Bob Berg is constantly working on these concepts. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I I loved how in your book, Adversaries into Allies, you talked Mm -hmm. about the five principles of ultimate influence. Yeah. Number one, control your emotions to understand the clash of belief systems, which we've been mm-hmm. talking about. Number three, mm-hmm. acknowledge their ego. Mm-hmm. Number four, set the proper frame. And number five, communicate with tact and empathy. Controlling emotions is really a huge part of mindfulness. Can you speak on that for a second? Well, it, it is because it's only when we're able to, to control our emotions that we can be effective, that we can take an otherwise potentially negative situation or person and turn it into a win for everyone involved. The, uh, the sages once asked, uh, who is a mighty person? And the answer was that person who can control their own emotions and make of a potential enemy a friend. Because let's face it, if someone does, you know, no one can make us mad or make us angry or make us anything else, but they can certainly do things that push our buttons that, that in which we trigger our own negative emotions. Well, when we're not in control of those emotions, when we're, as Zig Ziglar used to say, if we react rather than respond, well, someone else is in control of our emotions and we're not going to be as effective as we could be. Now, I'm not in any way diminishing the importance of emotions or saying that we should uh, we should uh, lose our emotions or our ability to feel. Of course not. Emotions are a wonderful part of life. They bring us joy. They make life worth worthwhile. Um, but we need to be in control of those emotions rather than those emotions being in control of us. I love what my great friend uh, Dondi Scumachi, a great leadership speaker uh, and author, says about this. She says, by all means, uh, take your emotions along for the ride, but make sure you are driving the car. Yeah, I like that too. That really is. Like I said, we've talked a lot about belief systems, but let's skip to number three, the principle that says acknowledge their ego. Let's talk about ego. 
Mm-hmm. Well, ego in itself, you know, we often uh, in in Western culture, we we often think of ego as as all bad. Yes. The language, you know, in the phraseology, oh, that person's ego is out of control, or he's so ego, or she's so ego, right? Yeah. And well, well, ego itself isn't necessarily good or bad. It just is. I mean, sure. ego literally means what? The I. It's that. It's that part of our being that recognizes that we are uh, unique. Uh, we are a, an individual separate from all other things and individuals. Now, this is not to be confused with a, you know, universal consciousness, which I, you know, I believe in or that we're all part of a whole, you know, entity that, I, you know, I tend to believe that. But none of that, uh, you know, I mean, uh, Napoleon Hill talked about the mastermind, right? The mm-hmm. universal consciousness. I yeah. Personally, I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but I tend to buy into all of that. But that does not in any way contradict the fact that in our, in our human experience, we also operate as an individual entity. Uh, we have our own beliefs. We have, you know, many of those beliefs were given to us, right, that we unconsciously and unmindfully took in. But it's still us. We still pursue our happiness as, as individuals. Uh, but, the, you know, the ego, when, we, when we're in control of our ego and can channel our ego – we're able to do great things in life, things that serve not only ourselves, but things that serve society and humanity as a, as a whole. It's when the ego gets, gets away from us, when that ego is running us, well, now we're in trouble because now, you know, it's like we're, it's like we're riding a, a powerful, dangerous animal, you know, mm-hmm. and, and if we're not in control of that animal, as magnificent as it is, it's going to run away from it. It's going to be a danger to us and a danger to everyone else. So it's very important that we control our own ego. But when I say uh, acknowledge their ego, the reason I say that is because if you're in a transaction with someone, I don't mean just a financial transaction, but any type of, of transaction with, with a person, might be the customer service person, might be a, a spouse or family member, it might be anyone. Mm-hmm. And this person is acting in a way that is counterproductive both to their happiness and to yours, uh, there's a good chance their ego is involved. And we need to be able to acknowledge that. I don't mean by saying, hey, your ego, get a grip. You know, that, that's going to do just the opposite. Right. But we need to be aware. We need to be mindful that the chances are it's their ego speaking. And we need to go into tact and empathy mode. And, and that's the way it's going to be helpful. You know, I just got through reading a, a fantastic book by Ryan Holiday called Ego is the Enemy. It just came out. And when he's talking about ego being the enemy, he's talking about the negative aspect mm-hmm. of it. And it's just a brilliant, brilliant book. And you talk about mindfulness. Uh, you know, this is a book that, uh, wow, <laughs> it's just fantastic. I'd recommend to anyone. Oh, I'll look forward to reading it. Bob, can you talk about number four, set the proper frame? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, this is so important because a frame is simply the foundation from which everything else evolves. One of my favorite stories regarding this is the time I was in a Dunkin' Donuts store and I, I saw a uh, young toddler who was probably, I don't know, what, what age do they start to be able to run? About two years old maybe yeah, or something. Yeah, around two, two years and old, yes. Yeah, and he was, you know, walking and running around the, 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 the restaurant. His, his parents called him over, so he started to, to run over and he fell. He, he slipped on the floor. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, he didn't hurt you. You know, you could tell he didn't hurt himself, but but you could also tell that he was shocked. That you know, he 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 understood this is not the natural way of things, right? <laughs> right? right. And and he kind of you know immediately looked at his mom and dad for their response. Right. And I I truly believe, just looking at the 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 little boy's face, had his parents gotten upset. You know, oh no, are you okay? You know, are you oh my poor baby, you must be hurt. I think he would have started to cry, mm-hmm. but his mom and dad just handled it absolutely beautifully. Uh, they they smiled and they applauded and they laughed and they said, oh, that looks like such a fun trick. Good for you, right? And immediately he began to laugh. Mm-hmm. Well, what the parents did is they set a productive frame from which he could operate. So, you know, when, you, when you've set the frame and whether it's just with a nice smile or a handshake or, you know, uh, your, your sense of being, uh, you have a much better chance of having things go your way. Now, it's also important to be able to reset another person's already set frame because remember, if they come out with an attitude or they come out, the chances are they're not being mindful, okay? They're just reacting to whatever is going on in their life. Right. So... You know, if you need to see the store manager because of an issue and the store manager hears that a, cl- a customer's out there, they, well, he might be thinking like 10 other people he's seen that day already. Oh, this person's going to have a complaint. So he goes out there ready to, you know, he needs to be polite, but he's also ready to cite the rule book. And, you know, policy says this and that. But and, and, and he's already out there with a, a negative frame. Well, if you meet that frame, if you react to that frame with a negative one of your own, uh, he's going to do his best to make sure you're not satisfied. But if he comes out there with his frame, but you reset the frame by having a smile on your face, taking a step toward him with your hand uh, outstretched, and you know you had heard his name is Mr. Jones or whatever, and you say, hi, Mr. Jones, yeah. Bob Berg, thank you so much for taking a moment of your time. I, I know you're very, very busy. Well, the chances are he's now going to uh, totally uh, <laughs> you know, feel great about you. So what you've done is you have reset the frame. And that takes mindfulness. Well, it right? does, and it makes a complete difference to how the situation oh, goes. It really does. Night and day. Yeah. Night and day. Bob, I've worked in bullying prevention for a long time, and I've seen how the practice of mindfulness can really make a huge difference there. Do you have a story either involving yourself where you were bullied, either as a child or an adult, or someone else where mindfulness may have made a difference? Well, you know, I think it, almost everyone, not everyone probably, but most everyone has been bullied at some time in their in their life. There's always someone, you know, a little bigger, stronger mm-hmm. and meaner and nastier and, and so forth. And sure. I, I think bullying is a, I, I, you know, it was, I'm 58 and there was bullying certainly when I was in school. Uh, I think it's worse today uh, from what I understand uh, because there's so many more ways you can bully. You know, there's so many more ways to intimidate yeah. and so There really forth. are, yeah, especially with the internet and technology, yeah. digital methods. Yeah, and, you know, to me, it's something that if schools should be focusing on anything, that's one of the first things is to make their environments totally bully-free. Right. Um, you know, no kid should have to go to school and, and be concerned about, about that. Yeah. Uh, and, but we also know that it's part of human nature and it happens. And until something is done, you know, we need to be able to equip, equip young kids and, and older kids and, and adults because it, it, you know, doesn't necessarily stop. Bullying just takes different forms. Yes. So I think, you know, in one way, it's reframing the situation yourself. 
it's being mindful of who this person is and what this person is and being mindful of the fact that, you know, they have to live with themselves and that they are probably going through some horrible thing in their own lives because otherwise they wouldn't be bullying. People who are happy with themselves don't bully. Right. And, and so, uh, you know, I think now obviously there are also physical things we can do when we can, mm -hmm. whether it's uh, just, you know, making sure we're safe or, you know, there's those certain times you've got to be able to physically, you know, handle yourself or have enough of a threat of being able to do so that, that, that sends a bully another way. But, you know, again, fit, it, the physical part is the lead. That's the last part you, you want to, to, to not, not be physical if possible. So were you ever bullied personally, Bob? Oh, sure. Sure. I mean, I can think of in time, the times I was in, in school, you know, someone didn't like me and they were bigger or stronger or meaner or nastier. Yeah. And, uh, you know, certainly there's times when I was at work, I remember jobs I had where the boss was a bully. Yeah. So, you know, you, you've got to be able to, to handle it. And the more that people like yourself who, who work in this field can equip people, uh, you know, the better. And there are, there are plenty of websites and there are good resources for it. But I, I think a lot of times it, it does come to beginning with that mindfulness of understanding that it's not about you when you're bullied. It's about the other person. Right. It's them. It's not you. It is not the fault of the, the victim of bullying. Yes. Yes, for sure. Bob, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Okay. Who, who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? I would say that one of the first books I read about this was the, um, the Handbook to Higher Consciousness by Kenneth Kyes Jr., which really taught me about attachment and that there is no happiness in attachment, what he called addiction, but it was really, it's, it's usually referred to as attachment. Right. And it kept me mindful of when I was attached to something. Right. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? Well, to the degree I'm mindful is to the degree that I do control my emotions. Uh, and, and that's something, again, I've had to work on. It's something I've, you know, I, I think I've, gotten a lot, lot better at it the older I get, but it's something I consciously and mindfully began to work on about 20 years ago. And the difference in my life was almost right away, uh, was, was so much different. Right. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. Well, you know, it's, it's so interesting about breathing because we don't think about it until we have trouble with it. Yes. Right. Yes. Trouble doing it. Uh, at least that's how, you know, how I've always been. Mm -hmm. So, so no, it's, you know, I, I can't say I do it as much as I should, but, but breathing consciously, mindfully breathing is, is just, it's got to be one of the best things we can ever do. So Bob, you've mentioned a couple of books during this interview. Is there another book you would recommend that sort of touches on the topic of mindfulness? I thought that um, Eckhart Tolle's book, uh, The Power of Now, I, I thought that was a, a really great book on mindfulness. I mean, how mindful do you have to be to be in the now, right? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. <laughs> That's a great book. Bob, can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful? You know, I, I wish I could. I am not the most technically oriented person. Uh, so I, I, 
I don't even know if I use any apps. Fair enough. I should. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, well maybe not. You know, maybe, yeah. you know, sometimes I just think I'd like to go back to pre-technology. There are times <laughs> that I think that, you know, because that was a mindful time too, wasn't it? <laughs> but Bob, what advice would you give a person who is new to mindfulness and they'd like to start using it in their life? Oh, I'd say you've made a great decision if it's something that you that you want to begin practicing. And obviously, you know, study Bruce's work. He, he, he's a teacher on this. Get books that and, and read about it and uh, learn about it and uh, just continue to practice it and make it fun, though. You know, I, as you're learning to be mindful, there's going to be many more times that you will catch yourself not being mindful but congratulate yourself on that because that means you're being mindful. And so uh, what I always like to say, what my dad always, always taught me, and, and he learned this from Angelo Dundee, who was the uh, years and years ago, who uh, had the fifth, famous Fifth Street fight gym in Miami, to, to always build on your small successes. So, you know, don't try to be perfect or, well, you can try, but, but understand you're not going to be perfect at it. You're, you're, it's going to take a long time to get to excellence, but you can always build on your small successes, take confidence, take pleasure in your small successes and let them lead to, to bigger ones. That's great. You've shared so much wisdom with us today, Bob. It's just been such a, a pleasure and an honor to have you here. Tell us how Mindful Tribe can learn more about what you do and possibly contact you. Uh, sure. Just visit uh, thegogiver.com, and that's uh, without the hyphen, thegogiver.com. And while there, you can uh, you can get chapter one or, a, or an excerpt from, from my books, uh, The Go-Giver and the newest one, The Go-Giver Leader. My, uh, if you scroll down that page, my uh, podcast, The Go-Giver Podcast, is there. Uh, you can connect with me on social media and uh, check out our Go-Giver Sales Academy. Bob, this has been a real pleasure, like I said. And thank you so much for joining us. Have a great rest of your day. Well, it's really been a pleasure, Bruce. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye now. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.